Chapter Twenty of Hagar's Daughter: A Story of Southern Caste Prejudice. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Emma Mercier. Hagar's Daughter: A Story of Southern Caste Prejudice by Pauline Hopkins. Chapter Twenty. Cuthbert Sumner tendered his resignation to General Benson to take effect at the close of the official year, and it was accepted. "'I have no feeling but friendship for you, Mr. Sumner,' said the general after he had folded the document away. "'I hope and trust that whatever happens we shall remember each other without enmity,' he continued in his sweet voice so effective with most people. "'Still, feeling that it must be unpleasant for you to serve under me when we consider existing circumstances, without doubt what you propose is the best course.' It was ten o'clock the next day, and Sumner sat at his desk looking out occasionally at the gathering storm that threatened to send March out with tumultuous blustering winds and heavy rain. The secretary and the stenographer occupied the same apartment with the chief. The ceiling of the apartment was lofty, there were elegant paintings on the walls, and the furniture was luxurious. There were rich hangings at the windows, carpets and rugs on the floor, lounges were grouped about the spacious room, giving it more of the appearance of a boudoir than a public office. The style of the wardrobes ranged about the walls would lead one to infer that all the conveniences for dining or lounging could be easily found within its four walls. Nor would one have been mistaken in inferring such to be the case indeed the chief's lunch was generally served in this room in sumptuous style by his valet it was rumored too that here gay spreads and bachelor parties were not unknown happenings at which grave questions of state were sometimes decided a warm fire burned in the grate for there was a chill in the air that furnace heat did not entirely remove and the large pile of blazing coals shed a glowing radiance of cheerfulness on all around General Benson, it was evident, though a servant of the people, was using their resources freely to gratify an extravagant taste. His was the life of a popular official floating at the ease of his own sweet will. The only other occupant beside Cuthbert and Benson was Elise Bradford, the stenographer. This woman was elegantly attired, and here again one noticed how utterly out of keeping her dress was with the work supposed to be performed by a simple government clerk. She was tall, fair, and pale, with a countenance that impressed one with its resigned expression and sad dignity. General Benson sat before his splendidly covered table where cut glass bottles of eau de Cologne gleamed, vases of fragrant flowers charmed the eye, and ornamental easels of costly style held pictures of fashionable ladies. He was looking over some papers which had just been submitted by Cuthbert. This morning he was abstracted and silent. Finally he called Sumner to him in a recess of a curtained window and said, Sumner, I have a favor to ask of you. I shall be happy to grant it if it is in my power, General. Thanks. I felt sure such would be your answer. I shall have to ask you and Miss Bradford to work overtime tomorrow and Sunday. This work must have our special attention. It is of such a nature that I cannot confide it to an ordinary clerk. I cannot superintend to work myself, because a party is to leave here on Saturday, myself among the number, for New York, on official business, two or three senators and a cabinet official to represent the president. We shall not return for ten days, and I shall depend upon you to keep the office business in hand. I will do all that I can willingly, replied Sumner and i think i'll go off now the time is short until five tomorrow 
i have some preparations to make you may as well take charge at once leaving sumner he stepped to the side of miss bradford and engaged in a whispered conversation cuthbert was a discreet person and gave no heed to the couple he was used to the manners of many high officials with their female clerks and paid no attention to what did not concern him he had observed that an apparent intimacy existed between his chief and miss bradford if they knew that he had noticed them they gave no sign that his knowledge was an annoyance his presence was treated with the utmost decorum the whispered talk kept on for some time finally whatever subject had been under discussion seemed to have been satisfactorily arranged and the chief arose from the seat he had occupied beside the lady and shook her hand warmly with the words at easter then without fail poor jewel thought cuthbert what will be her fate when she is the wife of this man who is but a reformed rake seeking to reinstate himself in society by a high political position and a rich marriage as the thought lingered in his mind general benson paused beside his desk sumner could not refrain from giving him an admiring glance nor could he wonder at the infatuation of most women for the handsome chief who stood there drawing on his gloves his costly fur-lined coat unbuttoned and nearly sweeping the carpet giving an added charm to this handsome face elegant figure and gracious manner i have entrusted you with a delicate piece of business mr sumner his voice was impressive the official relations between us have always been coordinate in character i am confiding in you now as i would in a personal friend he continued drawing him behind the rich folds of the curtains back of the official desk his gaze was fixed full in sumner's face with such earnestness and anxiety that at once appealed to the secretary's sympathy sumner's face was like an open book in its candor and innocence of guile as he replied quietly you may trust me general benson to respect your confidence personal matters have no entrance where they would interfere with obedience to my superiors and see here sumner you may be detained later to-morrow night than to-night your work will probably keep you until sharp midnight perhaps past i have given the watchman notice of your being here by my orders here is my private entrance key and you can let yourself and miss bradford out without trouble see that everything is safely closed up you shall be handsomely compensated for your extra labor although i know that you have no thought of the money he added in answer to sumner's deprecating wave of the hand good-bye and giving him his hand the chief shook his warmly and left the room they heard him descending the stairs talking and laughing with messengers and others employed about the building in the genial way for which he was noted among government employees End of chapter twenty Recording by Emma Mercier.